It's no coincidence that the exterior of hers, H-E-R-Z, looks a lot like a strip club. Because, you know, mainly women come in here. And if straight men come in here, they think it's a strip club. But they end up staying anyway and hanging out. It was, it's a good marketing tactic for people to come in and be like, oh, this will stay. Hers is located on a stretch of Route 90 in Mobile, Alabama. The downtown area is where most of the bars are located, whereas you have to find a parking space and walk to the bar. And sometimes you have to pay for that parking space. With us, you just drive in the parking lot and come on in. So we're standalone. Hers is across from a small shopping plaza and directly next door to the Bama Motel, a retro-looking compound with short slanted roofs and faded red trim. The bar itself looks rather plain by comparison, but you can't miss their sign, big and white with the Hers name and logo, the silhouettes of two women in high heels sipping drinks. They could be lesbians or they could be strippers. Depends on who's asking. That's why I did it. You know, a sex sales. This is Rachel Smallman, one of the two co-owners of hers. She's more than happy for people to mistake her lesbian bar for a strip club. In these parts, strip clubs get more business. If I put that rainbow flag up there, that would have been a reason for people not to stop by. Although strip clubs are not even any better, <laughs> but they'll go to the strip club before a gay bar. And the name, hers, leaves things open for interpretation. That was purposeful as well. We were going over a bunch of names, and then hers has so many meanings, you know. It can mean a lot of different things. And so I just leave it to the imagination. Like, you make your own thought about what it is coming to see, you know. And when you get here, it's going to be way different than you thought it was. And there's no shortage of people walking into the bar thinking it's one thing and realizing it's another. So they come in looking for the strippers. And when we first opened, I would say, oh, yeah, they're in the bathroom. Have a seat. Let me get you a beer. Oh, yeah. They thought I was a stripper. That second voice is Kyler, a bartender at hers. These two dudes come in. No, they literally, I'm about to get really anim- animated. They walk in and then they'll like peer. We're singing, this is a Thursday, we're singing karaoke. They walk in, they like peer over the door. They stand up straight and they're like, what the f-? And I'm like, hi, how are y'all doing? Welcome to hers. And they're like, this is not a strip club. And I'm like, it is not. And they're like, so you're you're not going to strip for us. And I'm like, no, but we can do karaoke. And they got very disappointed. And I was like, I have nothing for you but this mic and this beer. When this kind of thing happens, it usually ends the same way. <laughs> So they're like, okay, fine. And so they sit down and they stay the entire night. They got (laughs) toe up from the flow up because that's what you do here. They sang, they stayed, and nobody stripped. It was a good time. And this is how hers has gotten a fair amount of business. Oh, God, yes. All the time. That is how we got most of our straight clientele. And we have quite a large straight clientele. It's a, it's a nut house in here. They love it. <laughs> you talk to them for five minutes, they're like, this is not a strip club, is it? I'm like, no, but you don't want to leave, do you? No. And they become regulars. This 
is Cruising, a podcast about the last lesbian bars in the U.S. My name is Sarah Gabrielli, and I'm traveling to each one of them with my two friends and chosen family. This is stop number 17, HERS. It was Pride of 2016, and Rachel and Sheila Smallman took a trip out to New Orleans. And we met a guy, and um, we hung out during the parade, and he asked us to go hang out with him at the bar. This is Sheila. She's the other co-owner, along with her wife, Rachel. So we were the first to get to the bar, and we just strolled in, not knowing, not having any idea about this bar, And once the bartender noticed that we were in there, he got the yelling and flaming and carrying on. And then it's like, you know how the music abruptly stops? That's what it seemed like. The music just abruptly stopped and the bartender was yelling and flaming. And then he got somebody else's attention. And all of a sudden, y'all got to go. Y'all got to go. And it was was just horrible. I'm like, well, y'all don't have to talk to us like this. We had no idea. We apologize. They had walked into what was supposed to be an exclusive space for gay men. But it's not like there were any women's bars in the area. So Sheila started thinking. When you go to gay bars, uh, you see predominantly male figures up in there versus the female figures. And I wanted a home for lesbians. I, I just wanted an atmosphere where lesbians could go and, you know, hang out with other lesbians and don't have to worry about being kicked out or having to share it or be uncomfortable. When Sheila officially retired a few years ago, the idea to open her own bar became a real possibility. I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. I knew that I did not want to just sit at home. And I got this bright idea in my head one day. I'm like, maybe I should just open my own bar and be my own boss and do something fun, something that I enjoy doing. And that's music and socializing and meeting new friends. Here's Rachel again, Sheila's wife and co-owner. I was like, so let's open a bar. And we passed by this place for about a year and it was for sale. And so finally we said, let's just buy it and open a bar. This bar? The one off of Route 90 was one of the first spaces Sheila looked at. And when I called the guy, the realtor that was selling it, first thing out of his mouth, he says, well, it's not for lease, it's for sale. I said, I realized that. I said, is there any way I can look at it? He says, well, you have to put 25% down. I said, okay, is there any way I can look at the bar, please? He says, so you're willing to pay 25% down? I said, you know what? Don't even worry about it. It's important to note here that Sheila is a Black woman, and property owners weren't taking her seriously. So I'm like, why am I doing this? Let me get with my realtor and see what she has to say. And lo and behold, it was this particular bar was, I think, the third one on her list. And I said, I tried to get inside this bar, and I said, that guy would not even work with me. And she said, what? She said, well, don't worry about it. I got it. Rachel and Sheila ended up buying and renovating the space, backed by a team of women. I had a, um, a female realtor. I have a uh, 
female uh, loan officer, of course. And all the repairs that were done in the bar were done by females. With one exception, uh, none of us knew anything about plumbing, and I had to call a plumber in, <laughs> and he, he was male. So everything was basically done by females. They could afford to buy a bar rather than rent a space, largely because of Sheila's lengthy career in law enforcement. I started out actually at the very bottom as a jailer, and I retired as a chief of police. Although she technically retired from the force back in 2011, Sheila didn't stop working. When I retired from that, I became director of juvenile detention in uh, Pascagoula. And um, I did that for four years. And now she just has to worry about the bar, right? Wrong. So now I'm at, in shipbuilding. I just can't be still. Sheila's shipbuilding job is just over the border in Mississippi, about a 45-minute commute from the bar. I get off from work at 3, so by the time I get over here, it's 4, 4.30, and through the week, um, we're open until 12, and so sometimes I'm at the bar until we close, and then I have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's, uh, it can be tiring at times, um, especially if I'm not able to get any rest on the weekends, but I enjoy what I do. And I said that I wanted to open a bar to give back to my community. And so my customers say, I I don't know how you do it. I, I really don't know how you do it, but we appreciate you. Rachel and Sheila first met a few decades ago at the wedding of a mutual friend. She was involved with someone and I was involved with someone. We were introduced and, um, we had telephone contact, so we as friends, of course, and um, we lost communication with each other. And across the years, we would, you know, reach out to each other and just see how one another was doing. And she was with someone and I was with someone. So we just kind of said hi and goodbye. And over the years, we would see each other, maybe have lunch or whatever. Rachel wasn't just with someone. She was married to a man, a pastor, actually. But the whole time that I was married to the man, he knew and I knew that I was gay. I mean, because you always I've always had these experiences, you know, but being with a man didn't give me the same satisfaction as being with a woman. And, you know, at one time he was allowing me to have girlfriends. So it wasn't really an open marriage. It was uh, very one sided. It didn't work well. Um, It took some years for him to try to understand it. And he tried, but it was just nothing he can comprehend. He he got angry, so. Rachel stayed in this marriage for 22 years. When they finally split up, it wasn't just because of her sexuality, though that probably exacerbated things. I left the marriage because it was a broken marriage, so it was time to go. It took Rachel some time to come to terms with her own sexuality. But unlike a lot of people we've spoken to, she was never lacking in positive lesbian representation. Actually, um, my mother was a lesbian, and I've always had two moms. As long as I can remember, she was there. It was a, I want to say a 30- or 40-year relationship. They were together until she died. So I understood what it was to love a, a woman. I mean, Rachel literally grew up with a lesbian couple. As far as role models go, she only had to look as far as her own mom. Yes, it helped me in every way. Um... It helped me not to be afraid of those who were against, uh, you know, gay people. It helped me to sympathize with those who were 
unable to come out of the closet or didn't understand, their parents didn't understand them. I was very fortunate. Everything that I needed to learn, I could learn from watching her. You know, she was a, a good hearted lady, but she was strong and she was independent in a time that uh, it was kind of scary to be strong and independent, you know, but she never backed down to anything. And obviously, Rachel's mom was nothing but accepting when Rachel did eventually come out to her. Oh, it's crazy. Um, So I showed up with this girl at her house when we were doing laundry and she's like, Rachel, who's that? I said, this is my girlfriend. She's like, oh, okay. Y'all want breakfast? (laughs) That was that. Rachel's mom had always kind of known her daughter was queer, even back when Rachel was married. Oh, yeah. She would always say, Rachel, you're more like me than any of my children. That was an indication right there. (laughs) Stop wasting your time. (laughs) Sheila, on the other hand, had a very different coming out experience. Well, I didn't come out until years later. As a matter of fact, I just shared that with my brother maybe a year ago. Both parents are deceased now. So Sheila never actually came out to her parents. No, because it wasn't. A sure thing. By the time Sheila came out to her brother, more recently, she was already the proud owner of a lesbian bar. He knew that I was making an investment in a commercial building. And so I told him, I said, you know, you never asked any questions and you never asked me what this commercial building was or would be. And I'm like, so I think we need to talk. <laughs> but he, he was excited about it. And he said, You know, people don't even get mad about it anymore. And um, I I, I could just see the smile on his face. Although we were over the phone, I could just see the smile on his face. And at that point, Sheila and Rachel had been together for around six years. Their paths had crossed again in 2014, and this time they were both single. It was a, um, I guess, a graduation celebration for a member of her church. And a mutual friend, we hadn't met for dinner that particular night, and she was going to that celebration that same night, and she asked me to go with her. And that is when we rekindled. You know what happens from there. They visit New Orleans, Sheila retires, they buy a lesbian bar and camouflage it as a strip club. But I guess we haven't much addressed the elephant in the room. Hers is located in Mobile, Alabama a place that might seem scary to a queer person. Mobile County has voted red in every presidential election since 2000. They have a Republican mayor, and according to the Pew Research Center, 52% of Alabamans say homosexuality should be discouraged. But the city of Mobile does appear to be slightly more tolerant than the state as a whole. In 2013, it was ranked the most gay-friendly of the major cities in Alabama— And to be honest, Rachel and Sheila haven't received much pushback from the community since they first opened the bar. Rachel can only really think of one example like that. When we first got here, um, our sign was going up in the air and someone sent me a a screenshot of someone posting our sign saying, "Uh, there goes a neighborhood. What do you think that's going to be? And then they'll come in and say, well, can I be here? I mean, because... I'm not like that. Or, you know, they just come in and make sly remarks. But we've been fortunate enough to make friends rather than enemies. You know, you just have to educate people and be the bigger person sometimes because, you know, it is weird. You know, having green eyes can be weird, but you still have to accept people with green eyes. 
So hers opened to the public in October of 2019. That is correct. Two years ago today. We happened to be visiting on the night of their two-year anniversary party. We're going to have a live band. Uh, we're going to have a caterer. Uh, we're going to give away door prizes. And just a lot of food, fun, drinks, and partying. Should expect lots of people, lots of friendly people, a good time. So it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun night, fun environment, safe space. Inside hers, there's a large U-shaped bar in the center of the room. Over to your left is our dartboard and our pool table. Over to your right is a seating area with pub tables, high tops. Also in front of the high tops, we have what we call our dance floor area, or if we have shows, it's our stage area. On the walls, you'll see different pictures, such as uh, that one right there. It says, wine improves with age. I improve with wine. Above the bar, pink rope lights line the ceiling and cast a neon glow around the whole space. So we have a drop-down ceiling in the bar area, and the ceiling is laced with a strip of pink lighting. All the pink was my idea. How did you have that idea? You want the, the, the real answer? I mean, if you're trying to tell me the answer, I want it, for sure. Yes, I decided pink and black because pussy's pink, and the hairs are sometimes black, so keep, keep us focused on the objective at hand. So this, is, this would be at my house. <laughs> We met Kyler, the bartender, when we first walked in. Hi, Hi how are you? She was opening the bar. I started here maybe a month ago. Yeah, a good month ago. I just moved here from Birmingham. Well, I live with the fam, and my dad got a new job, and so we just all moved here. Her whole family did. Mom, dad, brothers 21 and 9, and sister 24. Kyler is the oldest at 27. Yes, we are very um, enmeshed, very close. And I save a lot of money living with them. So I'm like, I'm not moving out until I like literally have to. I'll just stay in the basement. I went to Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That was the only time I really spent away from my family. was those four years. Kyler only just recently came out in 2020. And I was like, I'm just going to live my truth and be happy. And I've been, oh my gosh, cloud nine ever since. It's hard with my family. As close as they are, Kyler's family isn't exactly comfortable talking about her sexuality. They would not kick me out. They wouldn't say anything to hurt my feelings. It's just, we don't talk about it. They don't really ask about it. And if they do, it's like a little judgy toned. So we're, at some point, I'm gonna, we're going to work through it. Just right now, I'm just going to ride this high and then I'll work through it with the fam. Before officially coming out, Kyler was starting to explore her sexuality. But she was low-key, or DL, on the down low. Well, you go to the bar. Sometimes you meet other DL women. You, you chat about being on the DL, and you're like, okay, we can hook up. We're both on the DL, so no one will know. That's kind of how you do it. So I was still low-key going to the gay bars in Birmingham, hanging out, only at like a group of friends who knew, no one else knew. And I was fine with it for a while until I met someone who I wanted to be with. Kyler even dated this woman for a while, mostly in secret. 
I introduced her as my friend to a lot of people. And we we would hang out. It was like just like friends, like best friends. We'd hang out. I invited her places, but just no one knew we were together. So when we were alone, that's, you know, when we would do all the girlfriend stuff. But, you know, it was, yeah, it was just like we were best friends hanging out when we were around other people. And then it didn't work because I was scared. So that's when I, that was my wake up call when I was like, okay, I need to be myself, live in my truth. Kyler was still living in Birmingham when she first heard about hers from a coworker. I was like, oh my gosh, what a sanctuary. That just sounds so nice. So when her family moved to Mobile, Kyler knew she had to check out the lesbian bar. I was so nervous to come here. One, I thought you had to have a password. I thought it was like super like exclusive. And I was so nervous. Well, I walk in. Beyonce's working the bar as he does. He's amazing. He's a great bartender. He's working the bar. I order my whiskey Cokes. So are y'all good? Y'all want to drink anything? I'm down three whiskey Cokes. And then we just start chatting. And we start getting like deep life chats. And it was just really, really nice. And he was like, you know, I really like you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you. And he was like, you know, we're looking for a bartender if you want to bartend. And I'm like, that would be perfect. I had a little experience from working at Moe's. So I wasn't, you know, going to be completely useless if I started. And so the next night or two nights from then, I met the owners who are incredible. And they set me up with a job to work here. Yeah, it was amazing. Beyonce, the bartender, is very well known around hers. So my name is Antonio, but I'm known everywhere in Mobile as Beyonce. I have um, his and him pronouns. Can we curse on this podcast? Yeah. Oh, and bitch and whore. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm the bar manager. He's been working at her since 2019, basically for as long as the bar has been open. I've been here since the very first Halloween party. So I came in dressed up because Halloween is like my Christmas. I love it so much. And I won the um, Halloween costume contest. And then I got behind the bar and did my thing. Um, I was this ratchet wife of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Just made something up. <laughs> yeah, it was like um, The Purge, something from The Purge. Beyonce got his nickname while working at another bar in the area. I was at this bartender at this redneck bar. And um, I would always play Beyonce. And I'm talking about, it was just country music only. And then I would go in there on the jukebox and play Beyonce. So it was November 10th, 2016. Donald Trump won. So this one guy was drunk and he was like, we finally got that N-word out of office. And he was in the bar and it was a group of bikers. And they, I do not support violence. <laughs> they took his head and slammed it on the bar and said, apologize to Beyonce. And they meant him. The bikers wanted this guy to apologize to their bartender for using the N-word because Beyonce is black. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's when they picked his ass up and threw him out the bar. And it just stuck. So the bikers are responsible for the name Beyonce. Now, Beyonce has served drinks all over Mobile. But he first started bartending in the Navy. 
First started bartending there at a strip club called Foxy's. He'd spent his whole life in Mobile, and Beyonce wanted out. I wanted to leave so bad. And I said, the Navy will take me far the hell away. <laughs> and I, I hopped on, I, I signed up with MEPS, and then I joined the Navy. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to get out of Mobile. I wanted to literally see something. I wanted to see what else was out there. I got to go to Guam, the Philippines, um, Bahrain, um, and Italy, and Hawaii. And I was able to do all that in four years, and I just, it was fun. And some Micronesian islands also. But this was back during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. You know, it was a slogan back then, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Rachel also spent some time in the military, also during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Well, when you enlist, there's an oath that you take and they tell you all these things. And before you take the oath, you have to agree to these things. Um, But I've never seen anyone try to enforce it. But I do know that if someone had the suspicion you were gay or if you were caught in a gay situation, that you would be reprimanded. And that can go from like a simple letter of reprimand to jail. But this didn't have much of a tangible impact on Rachel. At the time, she was used to being on the down low. It was very crazy. Um, I don't think that it was a bad experience because I was still trying to figure myself out. So I would have been in a closet anyway. But um, for some people, it was very traumatic. You know, those that were obviously gay, you know, you, you got reprimanded. So no one was telling back then. During his time in the Navy, Beyonce also had to hide his identity. But for the most part, he didn't feel discriminated against. So this was actually the only time I actually experienced homophobia. It was a YN, which is a yeoman, a YN one, who went to the who went to my captain and said um, said that I was gay. So he said he got all of us together because at that time it was like a no no. So he set all of us down and he said to everyone, "I'm gonna have to write up you, that YN one, and me because we had sex." So, um, and being gay is like, you know, it's a no-no in the military. So the YN1 was like, what are you talking about, Captain? No, we didn't. He was like, well, you sat there and came to me and told me that Beyonce was gay. So the only way you could know that is if you and him had sex. So I'm going to send it up. So he did that in order to basically shut the YN1 up. My captain shut that down. And we still talk to this day. But outside of the military... Beyonce had actually been out since he was 14. So, okay, funny story. So my mom, when I came out to my mom and my dad, my mom told me about Solomon Gomorrah in the Bible. And then she said she would look back for me. She would turn into a pillar of salt or sand or something like that for me. But his dad, Beyonce thought, would have an even harder time with it. He was quiet. At first, and then he picked me up from school early one day, and he just he drove me to New Orleans, and um, he wouldn't talk to me the whole ride, and we got out the car. We were downtown, and I just remember seeing a bunch of white men dressed as Wonder Woman. And I was like, oh God, he's about to sit here and do some, he's gonna just preach or something. So he gets out the car, he rips his button-up shirt off, and it says, my son's gay and I don't care. And he walked me around New Orleans and we had the best time ever. 
I've, honestly, for the longest, I thought I was so selfish for having such a wonderful coming out story. Beyonce is definitely lucky. He doesn't need hers as a chosen family, but Rachel and Sheila have become like that anyway, especially compared to other bars and restaurants. The difference here is the relationship that I have with the owners and um, with it being a bar and not a club, everybody's more like family. And to Rachel and Sheila, Beyonce is like a son. They've always just said so much positive things about me. Like they brag on me, like I'm their baby. Um, they sit there and tell everybody about all my degrees and my service. And um, uh, I mean, from here to Mississippi, I go in the bar sometimes in Mississippi and they're like, are you Beyonce? <laughs> like they literally just talk about me all day. Like they are like my biggest supporters. And that's actually how Beyonce ended up at his day job at AIDS Alabama South. So they introduced me to one of the executive directors and I got the job and I started working. There, he does prevention, outreach and education for the HIV and AIDS community. It does hit the black and brown communities really, really, really hard. And a lot of it does have to do with whether they are on the down low and just can't be accepting of themselves because of the stigma with being gay. Because a lot of people did not have my coming out story. And that's what I got to. I had to realize that. And I learned so much from that. So Beyonce isn't a full-time hers bartender. This is this is my favorite job. <laughs> but no, I also work for um, AIDS Alabama South. And then on Thursday nights, I'm back here Thursday and Friday and every big Saturday event. Beyonce isn't the only one that so appreciates what Rachel and Sheila have done for the community. Kyler had only been there a month when we met her, and she already felt like part of the family. They're just so incredibly kind, so down to earth. It's like just talking to your besties when they're around. They're amazing. They're like my two moms. I love them. Two mamas, that's what I call them. No, they're just, just wonderful people. They'll give you anything. Oh no, they're very selfless. They'll come in, they'll just socialize with everyone. They, if anyone needs anything, they're like, I got you. If someone can't get their tab, they got it. They're just very selfless and kind people. And they're black women, so they are bosses. And it's everything I thought it would be when I heard about it in Birmingham. It, really, it exceeded my expectations, 100%. Cruising is reported and produced by Rachel Carp, Jen McGinnity, and me, Sarah Gabrielli. Our theme song is by Joey Freeman. If you like cruising, want to support us, and get access to more content, then join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cruisingpod. You can also follow us on social media at cruisingpod and visit our website cruisingpod.com. Special thanks this week to Rachel, Sheila, Kyler, and Beyonce. You can listen wherever you get your podcast.